We were once slaves of sin, but we've been freed to serve Jesus, therefore becoming slaves of righteousness. And being freed from sin, it does not mean we're without sin, but that we've had a change in priority. Prior to Christ, our life was focused upon the things of this world. But as believers, then our lives are to be focused upon the things of Christ. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Let's go ahead and get into God's Word. It's Romans chapter 6, picking up verses 15 through 23 today. I titled this message with a question To whom do you belong? Broken down into three sections. Whose slaves are you? Verses 15 and 16. Having been set free, verses 17 and 18. And slaves of God, verses 19 through 23. Open us, Lord, to the truth of your word and help us, Lord, to understand. I believe chapters 6, 7, and 8, 9 and onward. Lord, learning how to practically live out our faith In the day and age that we find ourselves in, Lord, this is so important for the church. So help us, Lord, to gain greater understanding. But Lord, not just a head knowledge. Let it be a heart knowledge. As we live to shine as you would have us to in this world that you have planted us this day, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. But having been set free, verses 17 and 18, I'll read the context. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Having been set free, you were freed from sin. He said in verse 17, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. Paul breaks out here in a momentary praise. The believers' lives in Rome, they had once been slaves of sin, but they had obeyed the message of the gospel that had been presented to them that led to their salvation. We were all once slaves of sin, found in Romans 3.23. 
For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were all once slaves of sin. And this was the condition that everyone had before receiving Christ Jesus. We were all sinners in need of a Savior, but not just any Savior. There's only one who can truly save, and his name is Jesus. We live in a world today that wants us to compromise on that one point right there. The world would like us to say, as people of faith, they would like us to say that there are many ways that lead to God. But as believers in Jesus Christ, we cannot say that that is a compromising of our faith. Jesus said that there is only one way, and I am the way that leads to life. So we have to stand upon that. But you believed from the heart. It is a Greek word, two Greek words there. It's ek, cardias. We know cardio, the heart, so the Greek word. We know where uh, we got our, it came from the Greek, the cardiologist. Cardia is the Greek word for heart. And so it's ek, cardias. It means out from or out of the heart. In other words, it means they believed wholeheartedly. They had heard the proclamation of the gospel, that form of doctrine that came to them. And then they wholeheartedly believed and were delivered from the bondage of sin. And God must first go through the mind uh, in order to get to our hearts. And we must have some content in order to understand the word of God, to have the gospel of Jesus Christ presented to us. It's not just facts that we can lay out some facts in order. There are, are a number of theologians today that uh, know a lot about the Word of God, but it doesn't mean that they're necessarily believers in Jesus Christ. They can just have a great knowledge of God's Word. So it's not just about facts, but God uses our mind. He goes through our mind to get to our hearts. One of the theologians said, the devil perhaps could write a better systematic theology than any saint but will never come to Christ because he hates the things of God. We must also trust Christ with our hearts to be saved. Romans 10.10 says, For out of the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So there is the belief that comes from the heart, but the mouth engages our mind. We make that confession. But to be slaves of righteousness, verse 18, having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. You've been set free from sin. We were once slaves of sin, but we've been freed to serve Jesus, therefore becoming slaves of righteousness. And being freed from sin, it does not mean we're without sin, but that we've had a change in priority. Prior to Christ, our life was focused upon the things of this world. But as believers, then our lives are to be focused upon the things of Christ. Ephesians 5.8, Paul said, You were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Then walk as children of light. I like this. Believer's Bible commentary said, Correct doctrine leads to correct duty. Correct doctrine 
leads to correct duty. This is one of the reasons why we put such an emphasis on the teaching of the Word of God. How do we learn correct doctrine unless we actually study God's Word? You can go to a number of churches today where you don't even have to carry your Bible any longer. It's not necessary. I have a Bible here. I've only dropped it once off this pulpit over the last 20 years. But it's a small pulpit up here. There's a lot going on up here, but I, I want it to be seen. I pick it up and I read from it. I do that for a purpose. In fact, the older I get, I, I went through these transitions. Some of you who are in your 40s, you need to just give in and get the reading glasses you know you need right now. But I've went through these transitions of not needing glasses, having just great eyesight to not being able to read without my glasses. In fact, I can tell you that it is easier for me to read from my iPad with the 15 fonts on here than it is to read from my Bible. In fact, I have to look at the Bible pretty close to make sure I'm getting the words right. It's easier to read from the iPad. And I, I know pastors who teach from their iPads. They don't have a pulpit. All they hold is their iPad. I'm just old school enough to think it's important enough to keep holding on to the Word of God, to present the Word of God, to show you God's Word in this way. But not just to have the Bible being held before us, but to teach from the Word of God. I think it's why we put such an emphasis on God's Word. It's a priority at our church because correct doctrine leads to correct duty. It's through the teaching of the Word of God that we learn how we should live as believers in Jesus Christ. Paul challenged the people of the region of Galatia. He said in Galatians 5.13, For you, brethren, having been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Yes, we have liberty, but what do we do with that liberty? And the liberty that we've found in Jesus Christ, the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, we're to use that not to be like the rest of our society that is self-serving, but to serve others. We have been set free to serve in righteousness the one who has freed us from our sins. So having been set free from sin, we then have become slaves of righteousness. We have to do the right thing. It's what the Lord has called us to do. And finally, verses 19 through 23. I have time to read the context. Verse 19, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, for just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For in the end, those things is death. And now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
you are slaves of God, and therefore we are to present our members. And since he's writing to believers here, he's writing to the believers in Rome. He's writing to us as believers in Jesus Christ today in the 21st century. Paul reminds them of their lives prior to Christ, that prior to Christ, there was uncleanness. In the Greek, it speaks about either physical or spiritual uncleanness. This word was used contractually in Koine Greek. They found it in writing outside of the Bible. But this word for uncleanness that speaks about either physical or spiritual impurity, it was used contractually in a lease. It's an agreement for renting a house in which the tenant undertakes to leave the house in good condition. And that really spoke a lot to me. Jesus talks about our tent, our dwelling place, this flesh. It's our house. It's our tent. It's our dwelling place. One day we'll have a, a tent, a dwelling place in heaven. But right now, this is the domain, the dwelling place that the Lord has given us. And the Lord is calling us to leave it in good condition. At one time, prior to coming to Christ, there was uncleanness. It was in sin, impurity in our lives. But the Lord is calling us to leave it in good condition. How are you going to leave the condition of your house, the inner parts of your heart? There was also lawlessness. It simply means the violation of the law. We have lawlessness before Jesus. They lived to fulfill the lust of their flesh, the passion of their hearts. Their houses of flesh were physically, emotionally, spiritually unclean. Thus, they were slaves of uncleanness. Their lawlessness then led to more lawlessness. So their conduct... In Ephesians 2, 3, it says, We all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Paul wrote in Romans 4, 7, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. And we have been set free. And therefore, we're to present our members to God as slaves of righteousness. Not only has the Lord covered our sins, but Hebrews ten seventeen reminds us that our sins, our lawless deeds, God said, I will remember no more. You know, I think that's one of the greater struggles that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. We have a hard time forgetting our sins, our past life, and Satan helps us to remember those things. But from God's perspective, he says, I will remember them no more. So why do we keep bringing them up to the Lord? And maybe it's through confession. We confess it to the Lord, and then a week later, we confess the same thing to the Lord. We never get beyond the confession. When the Lord says, I put that away, I remember it no more. We need to let it rest with God there. And Paul calls those who have been redeemed by Jesus to become slaves then of righteousness, which leads to more righteousness and ultimately leading to holiness. 
In Romans 6, 13, last week we saw this. He said, do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as righteousness to God. We're to have fruit of holiness. Verses 20 through 22, it says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. For what fruit did you have then in the things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness in the end, everlasting life. We are all slaves to something. We're either slaves of sin or slaves of God. And those who are slaves of sin ultimately find shame and death. But those who are slaves of God will find righteousness leading to holiness and in the end, everlasting life. Slavery to sin or slavery to God. They're both mutually exclusive. We cannot be the slave of one and the other. It can only be one or the other, not both. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one or love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The context of the passage that he was saying that from, but it's true, we can only serve one or the other. We either serve the flesh, we serve self, we serve sin, or we serve God. But we close out in verse 23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I looked over chapter 6, and I found that Paul was presenting two sides of this life, of the unbeliever and the believer. And he did a pretty close comparison of those who are unbelievers and those who are believers. And I'm going to go through the list that he gave us as we go through chapter 6. Unbelievers are slaves of sin. Believers, slaves of God. Unbelievers obey the lust that comes from sin. Believers are free from sin. Unbelievers are instruments of unrighteousness, while believers are instruments of righteousness. Unbelievers find that their unrighteousness leads to death, and believers discover that their righteousness leads to more righteousness. Unbelievers discover that there is uncleanness. For believers, there is cleanness. Unbelievers, lawlessness. Believers, law-abiding. Unbelievers, shame. Believers, fruit to holiness, unbelievers, death, and believers, everlasting life. It's all leading to something in our service to whom we belong. We either serve the lust of the flesh, the lust of this world and this life, sin leading to death, or we serve the Lord who has redeemed us, which ultimately leads to everlasting life. Another commentator compared it this way, he said the apostle summarizes the subject by presenting these vivid contrasts. Two masters, sin and God. Two methods, wages and free gift. Two aftermaths, death and eternal. Two masters, 
either sin leading to death or God leading to life. Two methods, the wages of sin is death or the gift of God is eternal life, a gift, a free gift, and two aftermaths, that of death or eternal life. And here's something we need to understand there as this commentator just listed it out as death and eternal. Everyone who has ever lived or who is currently living or will live upon this earth, there is an eternal aspect to their souls. And it's a matter of destination. It's either eternal life or eternal death. And there are some religions that teach that though there is death, that there will be an annihilation, that you will cease to exist. So the judgment will not be eternal, but we don't find an annihilation or ceasing to exist in Scripture. It's not in the Bible. So there's an eternal aspect of this. Two eternities that is really at play. It's either eternal death or eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. In Romans 5.12 it says, Therefore just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5.15 But the free gift is not like the offense for if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Therefore, our righteousness leads to holiness and ultimately eternal life. Today we have seen the message that I titled, To Whom Do You Belong? The question and the first point, whose slave are you? And it's so important for us to realize that our obedience to Jesus allows us to live righteous lives. And therefore, having been set free, we have been set free from sin. Therefore, we have become slaves of righteousness. And you know what? I don't have a problem with that. Remember, I had mentioned that it speaks about whom you stand alongside. I want to stand alongside my Savior in this world. I want to represent Christ. I want to stand alongside believers who love Jesus as well. I want to become a slave of righteousness. I don't have a problem with wanting to be a slave of righteousness, of consciously trying to do what is right in this life. And I realize that in choosing life in this manner, as Moses said to the children of Israel of that second generation who came out of Egypt, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that the choices I make, it's not just for myself, it's choices I make that impact my wife, that impact my children, that impact my grandchildren, that impact this church, that impact my friends beyond this church, that impact both believers and unbelievers around me. We have to choose in how we conduct ourselves, that we are slaves of God. Again, not a problem. Because our righteousness, being a slave of God, leads to more righteousness that leads to holiness that ultimately leads to everlasting life. Father, thank you so much for your word and for what it teaches us. And 
Father, there is a choice that must be made in each of our lives, and we make that choice daily. But ultimately, Lord, there is a decision that everything will hinge off of. Lord, every individual in this world has to decide whether they are going to live for God or to live for self. If they decide they are going to live for God, then they need to come to faith in God's only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, you died, you were buried, you rose again, that we might be freed from sin, that we might live for righteousness. But the decision must be made. We each have that choice to make, ultimately, whether we believe or do not believe. But then, Lord, as believers, we daily have those choices to make. Help us, Lord, to choose to live for righteousness that leads to more righteousness because we know ultimately, Lord, it leads to everlasting life. Help us, Lord, to conduct ourselves in such a way that we represent the one who has redeemed us, the one who has forgiven us, the one who has saved us, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.